Why, hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of Demimond Paranormal Podcast. In tonight's episode, if you can guess by the background music, if you can guess what that's from, that's from The Exorcist, the ever-so-famous film starring Linda Blair. Um... In tonight's episode, we are going to be discussing the true story which gave inspiration for the novel before the film. But before we get into that, let's do just a quick introduction to any new listeners. I'm Tori from Demimond Paranormal Podcast. I host each and every one of these episodes in each season. We've got three seasons so far, if you guys can believe that already. It's been almost about a year since we just started, you know, recording these episodes for our members of our on Facebook paranormal group under the same name, which is Demimond Paranormal. So I just wanted to give just a basic introduction. Um, what we do, we just talk everything paranormal. And I think next week, I'm going to be taking y'all, all you listeners, to some foreign country to learn about some of the most haunted spots in that particular country. Whether that country be in Europe or Asia or Africa or wherever you want to go. Or wherever we want to go, rather. But next week, I think we're going to do maybe Haunted France or maybe Haunted Canada or, or, I don't know, like Zimbabwe or somewhere. I, I have no clue so far on where we're going to go to learn about these spooky spots. But I'll let you know next week. Probably, probably next Monday or Tuesday, something like that. Um, yeah. So, anyway, welcome to Season 3 of Demimond Paranormal Podcast. So, let's just dive right into our topic tonight. Um, some of you may know, you know, or just barely know the story of the tale of the exorcist, but do you know the real story? Some people don't even know that the real story involves a 14-year-old boy rather than a 12-year-old girl. And we're going to be getting into that just after the introduction. So let me cut this intro off and let's just get right into the story before I give too much away in the introduction. I hope you guys like this, this episode. I've was a little bit worried that I'm doing too many, you know, possession um, cases, but I think that this season, y'all, will be probably one of our more scarier seasons, if you get what I'm saying. So, I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and I will see you in our our next segment.
So, the story begins. The real story of the exorcism of Roland Doe. It was the late 40s when a boy who had a seemingly normal life had his life turned completely upside down when he experienced several near-death experiences. But soon, he would endure a total of two months of exorcisms by several priests, who, by the way, decided to give the boy a pseudonym of Roland Doe or Robbie Mannheim. He was of 14 years of age, and the rituals occurred in St. Louis when the boy's family decided to travel there in 1949 for treatment. He was first treated at the St. Louis University and then in the Alexian Brothers Hospital. The wing where he was treated is now demolished in 1978. The home of which Roland and his family stayed has been frequented, visited by paranormal investigators, such as, as you guys may know, Ghost Adventures. You know, Zach Bagans and all of his, all of his crew. But before I get into all that, and I don't want to, you know, make all the important details too vague, so I'm going to give you guys a little bit more in information and backstory of what kind of treatments little Robbie Mannheim, and that's a pseudonym, had endured during his exorcisms and treatments at the hospital. So let's reach farther and farther back up to how this all began. It all really began when the boy's aunt, now I've researched that his aunt's name was either Aunt Helen or Aunt Harriet, but I saw Aunt Harriet a bit more than Aunt Helen, so I'm going to call her Aunt Helen. This all began when his aunt, his beloved aunt, had died, but not before she had gifted him a Ouija board. And she had passed away, y'all, right before she had finished um, teaching him how to use the board itself. And as we all know, you have to know how to use a spirit board to even use it. And it's not a game, y'all. Do not take it lightly. That's one warning I will give you. And you always, always, always have to be careful. And you always have to say goodbye when you're done using the board. So let this story be a little bit of a cautionary tale to all of y'all. So now back to the story. So, understandably, when... And Harriet died. Roland was heartbroken. 
and he actually tried to contact his dead aunt through the Ouija board. She had gifted him. It's thought that he contacted something much, much darker. Roland started getting mysterious scratches on his body. I mean, all over him. All while at home. I mean, this just wasn't something that he contracted at school or on the playground or anything. He was home when he was getting these mysterious scratches all over his body. And these scratches, you know, they were mysterious. And that's when they when they were all appearing on him. His parents thought that now this is just getting too strange. I mean... If we want to get into it, y'all, there are strange occurrences happening all over the house about right after Aunt Harriet had died. Vases would fly, you know, across the room. There'd be ordinary, you know, appliances that's levitating in the air. There was strange noises coming from the attic. And at first, they thought that this was their aunt trying to make contact with them. And boy, were they wrong. But, so, as we said, the scratches were something way more serious, obviously. This wasn't, you know, the beloved aunt, the loving aunt that frequently came to visit and sometimes stayed with them. This was something evil. So, these scratches on Roland's body started to make words they started to spell out words and one of the first words that appeared on Lu on roland was the word or the name rather lewis and saint louis is where roland's mother is from that's her hometown but lewis was only one of the first words that would that would be spelt out through scratches on the boy and soon after this, the family decided to contract, to contact, sorry, a medium. And this medium was invited into the home to speak to the demon who is thought to be residing in the young boy, Roland. When the medium was conducting a seance, more marks appeared on the boy. Now this time, the scratches spelt out words... In this time, it spelt out, no school. Soon after this, the medium decided that it was time to bring in a Jesuit priest. The Jesuit priest was Father Raymond Bishop. And he was a priest at St. Louis University. He was brought in to perform a blessing upon the possessed child. Now, during the blessings, Roland's bed began to shake and tremble while Father Bishop prayed over him.
deep bloody gashes started to appear on roland's chest after witnessing this event the priest father bishop called in the archbishop to perform an exorcism and after the exorcisms performed by father william bodorn roland suffered horrendous tantrums and the exorcisms the exorcisms went awfully as well a crucifix in roland's room began to tremble in his in his bed also began to shake as we previously mentioned while a vial of holy water and you heard that right y'all a vial of holy water which is meant to be protect as protection protection of the boy and everybody else in the room the vial of holy water shattered into a million pieces oh during this exorcism In all throughout these exorcisms, the scratchings in the markings that spelt out continuous words, vile, disgusting words, you know, they appeared all throughout the exorcisms, and the priests that oversaw these rituals said that they believed that these markings could not be self-induced. Roland also babbled out explicit I mean, explicit language during the night about sexual abuse he had endured as a young child. The words he chose were not in the vocabulary of a child of his age. Now, keep in mind that he was a 14-year-old boy at the time. Just something to consider. Now, this suggested, or they think that just suggested that this was not a case of mental illness this was a case of demonic possession and may i just add before we move on that roland he was speaking in a low garbled voice that seemingly wasn't his own As Roland's possession became worse at times, the priest thought that the boy needed to be baptized. But, now get this, y'all. When they were driving the, the boy to the church to be baptized, Roland actually tried to swerve the car off the road and crash and kill everybody inside it. What is strange enough, however, 
is that during the morning of that day, Roland was completely fine. He was normal. He was himself. But during the night, he completely changed. Because during the night, Roland seemingly fell into a complete trance-like state. And so this is just a fun fact that I kind of just learned, but it's pretty much self-explanatory. The word or the name Satan literally and actually means opponent. And as we all know, the purpose of an exorcism is to frighten or dispel demons or evil spirits from those afflicted with them. Who were contact contacted through either seances or some other unnatural occurrence or as we know it could be through negative emotions or situations opening of doorways that were not meant to be opened and or devil worship in the black arts now during these two months that roland was had endured these exorcisms he was finally cured in 1949 during a lightning storm and you know years after this roland he continued to have an absolutely normal life he has no absolutely no memory of ever being possessed but he moved on he moved on from the demons and he became a normal person. He has a he has three kids and he had a successful career. But however, the priests, one of the priests who were accompanying the exorcisms had an experience on his deathbed. Apparently, he would you he used explicit language against a nurse and tried to choke her to death. Now, just like with the case with the Roland boy, this is all believed by, you know, researchers and skeptics. This is believed to be nothing more than a mental illness. So they believe that the priest was mentally ill as well when he tried to choke the nurse who was taking care of him at the time to death rather than being him being possessed with some type of demon so this is interesting that i found it said that the very spot where Roland had his exorcism is permanently cracked into the concrete. He was exorcised in the St. Louis University.
Now, as we all know, the case inspired the book The Exorcist, written in 1971, or it was published in 1971. It became a film in 1973, starring Ellen Burstyn and Linda Blair. With just a couple, you know, changes. Like, as we said before, with instead of it being a little teenage boy, it was a 12-year-old girl. And the author of the book was William Peter Blatty. Have you guys seen the book or read not seen the book. Have you seen the film or read the book? I've seen the film a few times and I've got to say a lot of people think that film is cheesy, but I still think it's really creepy. I have not had the guts to read the book, but if it's anything like the movie, there's just bad vibes about it. I don't know what it is. I, it's just dark and they say that that film is cursed and I don't know if I don't believe it I mean I wouldn't be surprised So let me tell you guys a little bit more in depth about the happenings and the strange and spooky, well, more than spooky, scary occurrences that Roland and his family, you know, experienced. So remember how I said before that his parents started hearing strange noises, but at first, you know, they thought that it was rats in the basement. But here's the strange part. They called a private pest control service, and the pest control service found nothing out of the ordinary. There were no rats. So they were hearing, you know, like, scratching noises and, like, skittering noises and stuff like that. Even lights started switching on by themselves in an inanimate objects started making weird noises. These chandeliers started moving in a cr they moved like crazy in a room with no draft and all the windows were closed. And also a statue of Jesus Christ kept banging on the wall and objects seemed to be moving by themselves. And let's not forget how I mentioned about the flying vases and, you know, just objects levitating by themselves in the air. Also, it's said that these would these things would happen when Roland would walk by them. Even whole furniture started moving in a hazardous manner. 
drawers, leaving cupboards like projectiles, and supernatural phenomenons started happening everywhere in the house. Like we said, with the lights and the vases and the cupboards and the rats in the ceiling that really weren't there. And as I said before, they thought, at first, they thought that all these kind of strange occurrences were their aunt, their Aunt Harriet, trying to communicate with them. But as you can imagine, the sheer horror that they endured made them realize that this is something much more sinister. And in the night, Roland Doe's attitude and his personality changed remarkably. He became scary, and he developed unexplained bruising and scratch marks on his body, especially the scratch marks that we mentioned that spelt out names in words. He also curled himself in, into, you know, a ball and started screaming like a madman. It was around this time when his family finally, you know, broke down and said, Okay, we believe that he is now possessed with an evil spirit or a demon. So, one of the people that his parents decided to call on, they decided to call on the services of a spiritual god of a Lutheran pastor, who is Luther Miles Schulze. Now, Pastor Schulze made a report and related to the Evening Star, which then published it as an article. And, as you can imagine, this created an uncontrollable nationwide sensation, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And also, during this, Roland was examined by a slew of doctors. Many, many people, as we mentioned before, thought that this is nothing more than a mental illness. There was a lot of skeptics, a lot of researchers. And, as we said, Pastor Schulze was very, very skeptical about the supernatural claims, and he decided to harbor the boy for one night for his own personal observation. And so the reverend reported later that while Roland was there, the bed that he slept in began to shake so violently that Schultz was forced to remove him from the bed. In addition to other freak events, including Roland being forcibly, forcibly and violently ejected from a chair he was sitting in. Schultz even became convinced that something supernatural was afoot and directed the boy's parents to the Catholic Church, who said he had ways of dealing with cases like Roland's. So Roland's parents did just that and instructed him. They did what they instructed. They took him to St. James, which is a local Catholic church. They met with a young priest named Friar Albert Hughes. 
Hughes became convinced that there was something evil about the 14-year-old boy after a telephone flew off his desk while they were talking. Hughes also claimed that Roland spoke to him in Latin, and that is a language that little Roland had never ever studied. He also claimed that his office dropped several degrees while Roland entered the room. So after much con much convincing the local bishop the local archbishop sorry after convincing the local archbishop of the boy's possession Hughes was actually cleared to perform an exorcism and and he reserved a room at the nearby Georgetown University Hospital it is alleged that only a few minutes into the ritual Roland became violent and stabbed the priest with a broken off bedspring after which he was he was released from the hospital and Hughes had to get 100 stitches as a result of being stabbed with the bedspring And after that incident, he never ever made another attempt to clear Roland of his possession. And so, back at home, Roland's bizarre behavior continued, collimating in a screaming fit in the bathroom during the word, during which he used the word Lewis, appeared in welts that sprang up on his chest. When Roland's mother asked him if the message meant, St. Louis, where the family had several relatives, she then claimed that the word yes had appeared on his stomach. It is around this time Roland's parents became possessed that the soul of Roland's aunt in St. Louis, who had recently died and whom and with whom Roland had experimented with a Ouija board with, had taken possession of his body. Which why I do not know because didn't they have a good relationship? Why would she do that? That's something I just can't wrap my head around. So, feeling that they had run out of options, they decided to relocate to St. Louis and we're back to where we started out again. Kind of like a movie that starts at the end, if you know what I mean. In St. Louis, one of Roland's cousins, who was currently attending the Jesuit-affiliated St. Louis University, spoke to one of her, prof her professors, and this was Friar Raymond Bishop. She spoke to him about the strange events. Bishop then contacted several other local priests, who we know as, I said several, but I meant another priest, in this guy we already know, this is William Bodern, and they traveled to the home of Roland, who was staying 
there and they were they came to evacuate him for demonic possession With a team of nine Jesuit priests and a total of 48 witnesses, Roland Doe was subjected to the exorcism rite 30 times over a period of six weeks, during which the boy repeatedly struck out violently and spat great lengths across the room, and he also spoke in a low, demonic voice. In mimed masturbation, his bed shook uncontrollably, with words such as evil and hell. Spontaneously sprouting up on his skin after the last exorcism was completed, witnesses reported the sound of a loud thunderclap or a shotgun blast as the boy spasmed uncontrollably. One last time before finally returning to normal. Now, the adult Roland Doe, whose true identity is, you know, closed off for his protection and his privacy, it, it remains closely guarded. As we know, he grew up and he has no memory. That's something I just can't wrap my head around. He has no memory of the, ex the exorcisms. And thankfully, though, he grew up to be ordinary and healthy. And he has three kids, and he had a good job. So, in the end, there's always a happy, well, a happy story, at least, for him. Or a happy ending, I should say, not a happy story. But, since he doesn't remember anything about the exorcism or the possession, I guess, that's the way to be in that situation. So, in 1949, when William Peter Blatty was still a student, he discovered a, an article in the Washington Post about a young boy of 14 named, named Roland Doe, or called Roland Doe, who was allegedly possessed by a demon and exercised by the Catholic Church for about a year in the newspaper publication. So, that probably gave way for... William Peter Blatty to write his book.
And also, I want to mention that I learned that his aunt was something of a self-proclaimed um, medium. And she would also, you know, hold little seances and sessions with a Ouija board and try to communicate with the dead. And he actually was fascinated with this when she would come over. She was a bit, you know, eccentric and spiritual and, you know, a little bit, you know, probably a little bit strange by those, you know, those days. And not everybody was like that, but little... Roland, as we call him, was fascinated by his aunt. They were very close, as I said, and he actually begged her to teach him how to use the Ouija board, and she did. But sadly, she died before she could finish teaching him. And, you know, Roland, he was described as a calm and reserved and intro introverted boy. He lived with his modest extended family. He lived with his parents, his grandmother, and his Aunt Harriet. But as we said, Aunt Harriet, you know, she lived in St. Louis, but she came over so frequently that it was like that she did live with Roland Doe. But, however, as we said, when his aunt died from a fatal illness, the boy was utterly distraught. He began to change. He became even more introverted and sedentary. He spent days in his room without coming out, and possibly in an attempt to contact his dead aunt with the Ouija board. So, what do you guys think? Do you think it was a case of demonic possession? Or do you think it was mental illness? 
you let me know down in the comments whenever I post this. Or, you know, leave me a comment or a message here on Anchor, if you will. I'm generally clear curious of what you guys think, because now I'm not so sure. I mean, I'm honestly on the fence, and I'm leaning towards the more supernatural side. As you guys know, it's time for afterthoughts. And I already said one part of my afterthought. I honestly do not know. It's kind of hard to decide when it comes to mental illness and actual um, possession. But I always have this creeping thought in the back of my mind. you got to always wonder yourself. Maybe... Like some type of evil spirit or demon or whatever you want to call it. Maybe it's masquerading as a mental illness when it actually is something more sinister. I mean, I did watch this one film and it was called... Now, let me, get, let me know if you guys have ever heard of this film. It was called The Taking of Deborah Logan. Now, this is a little bit different from the story of the exorcist or the story of Roland Doe or Robbie Mannheim but it was the story of an older older lady I mean she was in her 70s or maybe even her late 70s and she had the early onsets for Alzheimer's and they progressively got worse and she started doing strange strange things even for somebody who had Alzheimer's and slowly the people around her started to realize that they believed that she may have been possessed by a child killer that she had actually killed herself in protection of her youngest daughter who was his intended victim and I'm sorry if I gave some spoilers away but it's a really good movie but it just makes me think that what if we just call somebody crazy and there really was something there? How would we know for sure? I mean, it's just the little things that happened around the house even. I mean, it was the lights flickering. It was the strange noises coming from the attic that... Robbie Mannheim's or Roland Doe's family had witnessed themselves. And I'm sorry, the strange writing on the kid's body doesn't really explain, is really explained away by mental illness if they did not suspect it being self-induced. At least it wasn't suspected for being self-induced by the priests. I don't even know, y'all. It's a very strange story. Very strange indeed. 
and as we all know the exorcist itself was a supposedly cursed film so maybe there was some like i said before bad vibes about it man i don't know i really do not know y'all I want to thank you guys so, so much for joining me for tonight's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing the research and presenting and sharing it all with y'all. <laughs> um, I hope you guys join me next week for our haunted country of the week. Whether it be France or Austria or China or India. You get the point. Somewhere around there. I might put a post or a poll up there and you guys can vote on which place you want to see or which topic you guys want to hear about for future episodes. I'm always curious. One um, topic that we haven't done yet is the topic of actual vampires. We have done the whole topic of, you know... The Romanian Strigoi and Dracula and all that stuff. And you guys, if you guys want to catch that, just stream on, just scroll on down to season one of Demi Mond Paranormal Podcast. It should be already readily available for you guys to, you know, listen to it whenever you want. And that just about does it for tonight's episode. And I want to thank everybody from all around the world who tunes in to this podcast. It really is a pleasure sharing all these Friday spooky stories and tales and all that good stuff with each and every one of y'all. Alright, without any further ado, I'm going to let you guys go. Kind of a short episode tonight. Well, 
shorter than our usual episodes, but I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope I see you guys next week. Alright, sweet dreams, y'all, and I will see you next time. Be good to yourselves, treat yourselves, be kind to others, be safe, and make good choices. And I will see you next week. Good night.